For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Live from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the Total Education Show, the talk shop for teachers, parents, and administrators. Here's your host of the show, Neil Haley, the Total Tutor. Oh, fantastic. So I'm excited to welcome the program Anthony Sadler and Spencer Stone. They're the authors of the 1517 to Paris. And I, I just tell you, I'm going to thank one of you for your service, but you are two American heroes, guys. I mean... The story, I'm just, I'm just blown away just to talk to you guys for what you did. Thank you. We appreciate your support and, and everything. Thank you. Okay, so, so tell me, guys, um, first I'll ask the first question to Anthony. Why did you decide to write a book? What is the, the, the tell the story of what happened? Um, we think it's important basically to, I mean, too often in the media, like we're kind of perceived as like these combat veteran, uh, military experience guys, but really, um, none of us have seen anything like this before. Um, Spencer and Alec do have military experience, but it's just, this was like an extraordinary situation we were in and we felt like, um, we wanted to tell kind of what led up to what got us there and, each of our perspectives were three individual guys, and we all saw things differently. So um, we felt like it was important to, like, kind of share the, that perspective and also um, just tell a story of hope. Uh, with our kind of subject matter, I guess, terrorism, it's like usually you hear about mass casualties and stuff. But, I mean, our story is unique in the fact that there is no loss of life. It, in retrospect, it, it ended up being a positive situation. So we just wanted to share that story with the world, really. Yeah, and definitely, and and Spence and Spencer again. Uh, you're a staff sergeant in the U U.S. Air Force. You knew serving your country and being trained military, just like Anthony, that th that this had to be done. You had to do this. You couldn't sit still when you were on that train, right? Yeah. Well, you know, obviously my military service played played a role, uh, but I mean. I gotta be real sometimes, you know. I've been working in a pediatric clinic <laughs> my whole military career. I've never been deployed, never been in a situation like that. Obviously, the patriotism and love for my country is there, and and in all of us, <laughs> and just really just the the upbringing in us, just uh, you know, service before self type attitudes, and always putting people before ourselves, other people before ourselves, and and the fact that also in that moment there wasn't really a lot of options. People always kind of say, well, hey, well, you always wonder in that type of situation, what would I have done? Well, I say, well, let me put you in a yes. situation. You're, you're in a train, uh, high-speed train. You're in the middle of the countryside. Um, a guy comes in with an AK-47. You got nowhere to go. What are you going to do? You have two options. You're going to either die sitting down or you're going to die on your feet. And, and that was really it. And we took, kind of took a shot in the dark, honestly. I had, you know, I had like 30 feet to cover before I could even make it to the guy. And, you know, we had someone looking out for us that day. And uh, luckily I was able to make it to him, and we were able to kind of put him down. Wow. And, and, and Anthony, I guess when you were finally putting this to paper, you've done so many interviews right when it happened. And then now with this story, you're adding a lot more to this than just a – 30-minute interview or an hour interview, correct? Yeah, because it, it, was, it was complicated at first because the three of us, um, like I said, we all saw things differently. So it was we had to come together and we kind of had to come with the story that we could tell um, in a few seconds without trying to give 101 details. And then so it was perfect uh, and real therapeutic for all of us to actually sit down and put the details on paper the way we saw them and uh, basically for the first time be able to give the world, like, all, everything that happened to us and how, how it led up to that point and how we got there. And it's really by chance that we were even there at that time, like so many different factors 
um, came into play. We almost weren't even on that train. We almost didn't sit in that specific train car. Um, it was just so many different things, so many different coincidences that had us there and uh, felt like we were there at the right place, right time. Right, Spencer. And when you guys got together to tell your stories all together and the kind of conflicting things and stuff like that, was that interesting putting it all together? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, our, our co-author, Jeffrey Stern, sat us down all individually. So it was nice that, to not really have any of us around to be like, oh, no, that didn't happen. And, you know, kind of repeat whatever story we have. But, I mean, at the end of the day, we all saw different things. You know, I saw a handgun uh, that Anthony swore he didn't see. But uh, just little things like that. It was just nice to to be able to tell the story how I saw it and then also be able to uh, go and read how uh, Anthony and Alex saw it through their eyes. And, Anthony, great timing for the book to come out right before September 11th because we think of terrorism, and that's when it all started. Right, Anthony? So that really our, our, our country was under attack in specific ways and things like that. So now we're looking at terrorism all the time. So perfect time to tell about American heroes and how we, we cannot give up this fight, can we, Anthony? No, it's, it's just a day and age that we live in. It's 2016, and we all we all see, you know, just attacks, um, even just yesterday with these t- recent attacks. Um, it just happens too frequently these days, and um, we just uh, wanted to come out with the story around our one-year anniversary just to kind of, like, remind the world that, you know, there is some hope um, in these situations. And our story we know is very unique, but um, it's just one It's just one we felt important to tell just so um, it's not always negative um, connotation you hear about with terrorism. Um, our story provides um, some hope, so we hope that the readers get that. Yeah, definitely. To hear the truth, the, the entire story, not just a bunch of sound points. They need to purchase the book, Spencer. Where's the best place? We could find information on you, Spencer, and Anthony, and also purchase the book. Let's first find out where we can purchase the book, Spencer. Uh, well, you can get it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Uh, Costco is a, is a big buyer of the books. So they, they should have it everywhere. Um, you know, pretty much, pretty much anywhere, I think. Uh, you know, it's crazy just to see. You know, we're like 24 years old. We never thought we had a book, and... Now we have pictures uh, of our book and book stories that our friends are sending us on our cell phones and things like that. But as far as uh, getting more information uh, from from me, for, from me, Alec, and Anthony, <laughs> I don't really know. I've never been asked that question. I guess you, just you guys don't have any of the social media. Anthony, do you guys have any social oh, media yeah, that's yeah. open uh, to the public? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm on Instagram a lot, especially uh, John Stone. Uh, John's my middle name, so I think that was Spencer Stone was taken already by some fake account, so I had to grab that one. So uh, you can go on my Instagram at Spencer John Stone. All right, and what yeah, about my name's Anthony Sadler on? Yeah, okay. Yeah, my name's Anthony Sadler on all social media, so um, just you can just search me, and I'll I'll pop up Anthony Sadler on any social media. Well, you guys are heroes. I'm six foot ten. I don't know if I would have had the courage that you guys had. I was a former professional wrestler if I would have spotted that. But for you guys to take out the terrorists like you were able to do, it just shows that we can stand up to anyone, and we need to have our freedom. And you guys were able to help the people on the train, and uh, you're heroes. So thanks again, guys, for calling. Thanks, sir. Thanks for having us. We appreciate it. Take care, guys. You're welcome. Take care. See you later. Bye-bye. You're listening to Author's Corner, and we'll be back in just a minute. And Seth Gold from True TV's top show, Hardcore Pawn. Les and Seth, thanks for calling. How are you? We're good. How are you today? Fantastic. Les, tell me how this happened, how the uh, this whole reality thing started in your background. You know, it's actually kind of funny, so I'll take it. I'm Seth, but... Uh... I, I know some producers, and I got a call one day after the whole reality boom started happening, and they're like, Seth, we got a great idea for a reality show. And I asked him what that was, and he goes, us follow you around. And I said, uh, I'm not interested. So I hung up the phone. I walked into my dad's office. I go, you won't believe it. I just had a call from a producer, and they want to shoot a reality show with us. 
<laughs> and he goes, Seth, let's give it a shot. How big can it possibly get? So nine seasons, 170 episodes, and uh, things are still looking pretty good. Oh, that, that's fantastic. Les, were you a little nervous about when they first said they're going to follow cameras around and stuff? I really wasn't. Um, what happened was the first day that we did the shoot, and I was taking in these computers from these guys, um, and I was acting because uh, I thought that's what you know people wanted to see. Uh, they called Seth and the uh, guy that uh, that came up with the idea of hardcore fun called me in the office, and they go, "What are you doing?" I said, "I'm acting." Isn't that what you want? They go, "No, we want you to be you." And what I realized is it's really hard to be you on TV. Yeah, oh, it, it is because you're the cameras are watching. You're not going to really interact the same way that you would if, let's just say, you didn't know the cameras were on you. So that takes time, right, Seth, to kind well, of, I, yeah, yeah. God bless. Yeah, exactly. I think you nailed it right on the head. Because uh, at first it's awkward because you have four additional people walking around with you. and But over time, you understand and you kind of get used to them being here. So there's some, like, crazy conversations that we had that I didn't even realize that the cameras were there. And then I'm watching TV, and it's a fight between me and my sister, and we, we lived it once because it was really happening, and then we'll watch the show, and then you'll hear her say some things that I didn't even hear her say. It's like, wait, I'll call her up and be like, what did you just say? Like, that's ridiculous. So you get to relive all the good stuff twice and all the bad stuff twice as well. Was there good stuff? <laughs> that's the question. How much good stuff was there? <laughs> Yeah, unless that's true, how much good stuff. But what I think it's made is uh, really made uh, a bunch of the different shows. Pawn shops are getting more and more popular watching, and they think they're going to find uh, give give diamonds in the rough to every pawn shop, right, Les? Now people are like, oh, I have this well, thing that's going to... Well, you know what? <laughs> What's been the great thing is it, it's brought pawn shops to light, and uh, you know, pawn shops all over the country are seeing a lot more foot traffic a lot more people walking in and out of the store because of the popularity of the pawn shop shows. And uh, business is good because, you know, like Seth says, and we brought it to everybody's attention, retail is for suckers. Go to your local pawn shop, get a great deal. Oh, well, unbelievably enough, guys, you know, you continue to be successful on Hardcore, uh, hardcore Pawn, but the funny thing is, Seth, and I th- I'm trying to make sure I'm correct on this, you have the podcast. How did you get involved in saying you're going to do a radio show podcast? How'd that happen, Seth? Well, he, I never expected to be a TV star. That's number one. I'm right. a pawnbroker. And then when I, got to do the ra- when I got approached to do a radio show from a local CBS affiliate, I said, eh, I'm not really into that, but, you know, with some guidance, I think it gives a good perspective on something that I'm not able to touch upon on the TV show, and that's basically our philosophy uh, in regards to being an entrepreneur and opening those doors. So on the podcast, I talk with some celebrities, and not because I'm, I'm, I want the latest gossip, but I want to know what drives the machine behind being a celebrity. And I'll talk to business people and business owners on the podcast and I want to know what drives them personally and the machine behind that. So it's an interesting take on uh, the business of being a celebrity and being a business person. And Les, are you involved in the podcast at all? Or are you more behind the scenes? Because I was just pre- I saw Seth's tweeting it out all the time, and he's having these amazing guests. I want your I want your uh, role, um, numbers, Seth. The unbelievable guests you're having. But uh, Les, are you involved in it as well? Well, you know, I, I'm very honored that uh, that Seth sits in the uh, in the main chair, and he has me to his right each and every show. And you know, I'm the I'm the guy that kind of comes up with some really unique questions that doesn't always pertain to what Seth thinks. <laughs> so you, off the wall questions for sure. So you're so Les, you're more the Ed McMahon for uh, for Johnny Carson, then, right? Kind of exactly right. <laughs> Well, Seth, don't you want that success? Johnny Carson first, you know, the, the podcast, then next thing they're going to say, Oh, by the way, Seth, we want you to go ahead and do a show in Hollywood and be one, be one of those late night guys. That would be really nice. Right. That would be, a- yeah. I'll think of my day job of being a pawnbroker. <laughs> um, I think that that's worked out pretty well for me uh, in the past. So we'll keep that uh, train rolling. Uh, the podcast is something new. The TV show is something cool. But 
moving out to LA is not kind of where I want to be. No, I'm available. I'm available for late night. No, but you guys can just do it on location where you live. Where do you guys live, Seth? Where do you live? Where's the where where do you film? Oh, like that. Yeah. That, that's a good idea. You need to negotiate my contract for me. Are you an agent as well? No, I'm not an agent, but I'm, I, I do I do promoting all. I promote everybody, but no, Seth. So where do you guys? Uh, where's the show located? The, the, not not the radio the radio show also, but also uh, your yeah. Yeah, so we're in Detroit. Um, Right off of 8 Mile, the famous 8 Mile, uh, made famous by Eminem, of course. And I filmed uh, the podcast right in a suburban area of Detroit. It's called Southfield, so not too far away from the shop. you got to save Detroit. There you go. Late night show with Seth and Les and Seth. Uh, and you guys, after the main... So, Seth, give us some of these amazing guests. I'm sure even though you've been a celebrity for so many years, you're, you're probably blown away you're getting to interview some of these people, right, that you have coming up on the show. And ha- yeah. Yeah. You- it's crazy because these people that I interviewed, so I interviewed Snoop Dogg, I've interviewed uh, George Foreman, Mary Lou Henner, Fred Hilton, uh, Wendy Williams, all these people. But the funny part is they're all telling me that they're fans of ours. So I'm like, this, to me, that's the craziest feat um, and situation to be in because for me, this is what we do for a living. I'm in our store right now working the wall counter prior to coming on this show, and people are interested in what we do. So even though I've had amazing guests, they're fans of mine. So it's, it's, it's kind of mind-boggling. Well, and, and that's the, the cool thing is funny when I start telling about my background, Seth, real quick, because I'm a former professional wrestler, did the minor leagues, but I've worked with a lot of the big names in my career. So it's very easy to kind of talk to certain people because I've, I guess, brushed with greatness with one of the most money-making people. The Rock wore my knee pads in Memphis, Tennessee when he forgot him one time. I guess that's my claim to fame, Seth. And someday I guess I'll interview him and I'll have to say, do you remember that, Rock? <laughs> but uh, that's the, the fun thing. <laughs> Good, Seth. Well, I've also on the show, I've uh, Lex Luger came in our shop, but running into it, so I tweeted one time at Hulk Hogan, and he responded back, and he's like, love your show, brother. And I was like, holy, this is Hulk Hogan, my childhood icon, uh, tweeting back at me. So uh, it's uh, been a crazy ride, awesome experience, and can't wait to continue. All right, guys, Seth, best place we can find information on you, uh, watch the show and also listen to the show. Where's the best place we can go? Yes, so if you want to listen to the latest episode of Gold Tone, go to play.it or in iTunes, uh, look for Gold Tone and download it there and subscribe. All right, well, thanks again for calling, guys, and take care. Thanks, and and, and good luck. Thanks, uh, good luck. Thank All you. right, take care. Thanks. Okay, bye-bye. You're listening to the Total you, Celebrity bye-bye. Show. Welcome to the program. Linda Thompson, author of A Little Thing Called Life. I have the book right here on loving Elvis Presley, Bruce Jenner, and songs in between. Linda, thanks for calling. And you know what? I, I Eight minutes is definitely not enough time to chat with you about this book because of your stories for sure. <laughs> I know. Well, it's you know, it's been a long life so far, and I hope it's not over. <laughs> exactly. So, what made you want to write the book? What tell the stories about you and things like this, and write this? You know, I, I felt that um, I, you know, I, I do feel that I have a responsibility to life itself because life has afforded me so many blessings and so many challenges and opportunities for growth. And you know, I think uh, as, as human beings, we're all in this together. And I know that there's been a lot of curiosity about my life. There's been a lot of stories written uh, about me and, you know, a lot of books written um, about everyone uh, surrounding my life and by everyone, you know, kind of surrounding my life. So I just felt like the time was right. I, I could never be accused of exploiting any relationship. Uh, it's been 39 years since Elvis's death, 31 years since Bruce came to me and um, confessed that uh, he identified as female, 11 years since my separation from David. I wanted to wait until I had carved out my own way in the world, my own career. You know, I think it uh, gives my story a lot more dignity and credibility and authenticity, you know, just to um, to come from that place of, right. you know, it's, it's not a tell-all. It's a book of, about tolerance and love and acceptance and uh, kindness, really, you know. Um, I think that life itself is such a mystery. We don't have to understand something to accept it and to just be kind to each other and help each other 
along the way in our journeys. You know, we're, we're all in this thing together. We're definitely in, uh, uh, all in this together for sure. And you, you're right. You didn't play off publicity. When you wrote this, is you, you knew things a lot earlier. You could have done a tell-all whenever you wanted it to. This is more about just a memoir about your life, enjoying life, and the people that you met along the way. That's what it sounds like to me. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And lessons, again, about life and that were imparted to me through my life experience. And, you know, I think if, if anyone can derive any benefit at all, whether it's through identification, you know, helping with some disenfranchised soul, through humor, through entertainment, um, and, and, and again, you know, just kind of life lessons that then, you know, I will have served myself and my legacy and, you know, everyone well by having written this book. And I, I wanted to incorporate some of the lyrics that I've written. A lot of my lyrics are very inspirational. Um, mm-hmm. I try to write inspirational lyrics. And I wanted to show how my life occurrences and experiences have kind of acted as co-writers for me. You know, I've, there's a chapter, you know, in dealing with Elvis. And then the lyric that I chose to put just after that was, I have nothing, which was nominated for um, an Oscar for the Bodyguard, and you know, I just kind of wanted to show how um, living with Elvis sort of co-wrote that song right. because Elvis was certainly the male diva of our time, as Whitney, you know, what the character that Whitney portrayed in that movie was a female diva. So um, it's interesting how life kind of plays out in your art, you know. Right. So, Linda, starting out, you were were you were your was the first thing you did was singing before you entered became more of an entertainer than just singing and writing? What came first? Yeah, I'm really not a singer. I'm just a poet. You know, I started writing poetry when I was nine years old. And that that kind of, you know, transmitted into uh, more lyrical writing. Um, and when I was in my 20s, Kenny Rogers recorded the first song that I ever had recorded. Um, and I wrote with someone back in Nashville. Uh, just after I left Elvis, I used to write poetry for Elvis, and he used to say, "Honey, this is beautiful. Let me have someone put this to music, and oh, I'll record it." Wow! Um, you know, because he didn't, he didn't write. Yeah, he didn't write music. And in my naivete, and in my protective spirit of him, I used to say, "No, honey, this is just you know personal between you and me." And I wanted to keep some things just private and personal between us. So it, you know, I wish now that I had. Um, Looking back, I wish I had let someone put some of the poetry to music and that I would have that, you know, now to listen to his, his voice. So, so 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 did you do any singing at all or just mostly writing, like, especially when you were on Hee Haw and different things like that? Did you do s- some songs, but you're really, yeah. You're, yeah. Yeah, just, you know, in the groups, of, uh, you know, the singing, like, you know, gloom, despair, and agony on me, some of the hee songs. But, um, no, I never did aspire to be a singer. I really have I really enjoyed being behind the scenes. You know, I'm not that person that seeks attention, you know, I, I um, or the spotlight. This has been kind of a departure for me. I'm usually living in Malibu, making jam every summer, <laughs> rescuing animals and feeding my chickens. <laughs> you know, so to have to step out into the spotlight has been slightly uncomfortable. But again, you know, I feel that I owe it to life. Life has just afforded me so much and so many opportunities for growth. I, I really need to share that. I think that we all learn from each other yes. and help each other along the way, you know, in, in life. So it's, you know, I've got to just kind of bone up and get out there. <laughs> Talk about me. I'm kind of over me, you yeah. know? <laughs> give, give me one thing that you learned from Elvis and then Bruce. I'd, I'm interested in hearing that. That Yeah. Sure. I, I would I would say probably the most important lesson to take away from my years with Elvis is that we so often put people on a pedestal, you know, the celebrated individuals that are so accomplished. We, as people who idolize them, um, put them on a pedestal, and it's an uncomfortable position for them. And it's, um, it's actually... Um, we, you know, we do them a disservice by not allowing them to be human and to exhibit human frailty and fallibility. So I kind of learned that uh, from Elvis that, you know, we're all human, no matter how great it takes nothing away from the contribution that someone has made or how wonderful and great they are. It just allows them to be human, which we all are. We all have our issues. And of course, that could be said for Bruce as well. Um, another, the biggest thing that I took away from my years with Bruce and from now Caitlin, you know, you never know what's going on inside another person. Here was this 
impossibly masculine man. Yes. You would never look at Bruce Jenner, who had conquered the world as a man, became the world's greatest athlete. You would never look at him and know that there was the the issue that he had, yeah. you know, roiling around in his psyche and, and tormenting him for his whole life. So I think, you know, just if we can always look at each other and just be kind and you know, think the best of each other and just and just try to, if you can't help someone, at least don't hurt them. So I, I think those were the two lessons, the biggest lessons that I garnered from both of those living and loving experiences. And we're going to hear the ups and downs of your life, Linda, in this book and understand what you went through when Elvis was died to uh, some of the other turmoil and also your, the great relationships okay. and fun you had and, and teaching people that Life is a journey, and uh, right, it's not it you never know where you're gonna go next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my little speaking of that, my little bulldog decided he was oh, now I know why they call them bulldogs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Linda, the best place, so, yeah, um, yeah, go well, ahead. It's true, you know, you never know what's around the corner in your own life or what's uh, again, you know, what's brewing inside another human entity. So you know, our, I think our responsibility is to help each other along the way and to share our life experiences, which I'm trying to do, you know, in this memoir. All right. Well, Linda, best place we can find information on you. I know we can purchase the book anywhere, Amazon, uh, Barnes Noble, all the different places. But uh, where's the best place we can find information on you? On me? Uh, well, Instagram, LP, Linda Thompson, uh, on Twitter, I'm Linda Thompson LT. So, you know, I, I post a lot. I love social media, and I think social media, you know, has the potential to, to serve humanity and it to does. be a positive force. I know there are those out there that, you know, uh, think otherwise and like to put out vitriol, but that's, you know, I just, I block and delete as soon as I see anything negative. <laughs> so I would encourage others to do that, block and delete and just keep it all positive. And, you know, I think that social media has the potential to change the world in a positive direction. It definitely does. You just have to filter out the negative and that's, and keep, and look at the positive stuff. So Linda, thanks for calling. Best of luck with the book and thanks for uh, coming on the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Author's Corner. You can check me out on Twitter at Total Tutor, Neil S. Haley, Facebook, LinkedIn, Neil Haley, Instagram, Total Tutor, Pinterest, Neil, and Google Plus, and also on Periscope at Total Tutor. And I'm checking to see if we have Jerry on the line. Jerry, are you on the line? I'm here. All right, so I'm ex- here. So I'm excited to welcome the program Jerry Barker, author of The Big Blue Wrecking Crew. Jerry, thanks for calling. And I already think when we think about New York teams that win championships, they're always a, a really cast of characters, aren't they? And I'm sure that's one reason why you wrote the book. Well, yeah, absolutely. I think this cast is particularly interesting. They've got this sort of lasting mark and sort of the stories that you've never heard before, uh, even though they were a New York team that obviously, you know, gets covered quite closely in the New York media market. Um, But, yeah, I mean, from Bill Parcells to Sims to Lawrence Taylor to Mark Bavaro to Carl Banks to, you know, guys like Jim Burt and the Gatorade Bath and Harry Carson and the I'm going to Disney World. I mean, this team definitely has its mark. It still lives today in football. It definitely, Jerry. And when you, I guess you look back first at the leader, Parcells, uh, Bill Parcells, and how he is uh, a different type of coach on how he handles things, different things, and who would have thought he could handle the group of people he had to win a Super Bowl? Well, it's very interesting because in the book, what you get is the pre-elite Bill Parcells. You know, he's you know once you win a Super Bowl, you know, he he's on the trajectory to being a Hall of Fame coach, but to get there was something. And in 1983, he almost loses his job. Uh, and, and people mm-hmm. be surprised to know the knock on him was he was too close to his players. He was too cozy with them. Wow. I don't think people realize that. And what happened was is he said, look, if they're going to fire me because he went 3-12 and won that first year, they're going to do it. I'm going to be doing it my way. I'm going to do it my way. And that's when you have the birth of the Parcells guys. And basically, you know, he said, you're going to be on my page. And if you're not on my page, you're not going to be in this locker room. And that's how it's going. Exactly. And uh, and there's a lot of interesting stories because you think about how Parcells and his coaching fraternity started. You know, he really, everyone people learned from him, and especially Belichick. So you have something on Bill Belichick as well. I'm sure he's happy about that being in the book. 
you know, Bill Belichick was great, and I, and I really? love including oh. him in the book, and I'm, you know, happy he participated in the project. Yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of stuff about Belichick in there that people don't know uh, at all, and, you know, one is his loyalty to the Giants. I mean, you know that. You've seen that out there, but one of the reasons that his forever indebted, he told me, to Wellington Mara is because when he was a 27-year-old special teams coach for the Giants, he was moving from Denver to Jersey, and his house, the house uh, sale in Denver fell through. Who co-signed a loan for him? Wellington Mara. And oh, wow. and Belichick said, look, I'm a nobody. I'm a nobody. There's no reason that this man should stick his neck out for me like this. And he did. And he said, I'll be forever indebted. And, you know, among the stories that are in there about his sort of genius approach to defense and other things, for a guy who's won four Super Bowls, he said to me, one of the most gratifying experiences of my career was winning that Super Bowl because, you know, the Giants were losers, embarrassing losers in the 70s. And he said, I'm on the bus after the the game, the Super Bowl in Pasadena. I'm sitting next to Bill Parcells. We're riding away from the stadium. We're Super Bowl champions. He said it was one of the most gratifying experiences because never would you hear the words long-suffering before Giants fans again. Uh, that's that's really interesting to hear. And so again, working so Bill helped in the in the project and was one of the people that you interviewed. That's fantastic. And to hear some of the stories of Bill Belichick, do you think that ultimately, probably the way Parcells treated his players and going through those things, made Bill have a different idea about it? You never know, based on the experiences being in in Parcells' uh, regime, he might be learned. Oh well, I saw the mistakes Bill made, so I'm going to be a little different the way I handle things once I get a head coaching job I am learning from Cleveland too probably yeah I, I think you know I think obviously he learned a lot from Bill there's no doubt about it and he learned a lot I think on his own uh in Cleveland and what they went through in Cleveland and then getting the opportunity uh in New England uh I, there's no doubt about that, that he learned from it and I you know I think they had their kind of rift a little bit but I think that's been you know when uh, Belichick was almost coaching the New York Jets, but I think that's been healed up as well. They both showed up five years ago to the 25th anniversary for this team. So I, I think, you know, Belichick's sort of become his own man as right. well, but I think Belichick, he's, he, he is steeped in his influences, including his father, Steve Belichick, who Bill Parcells was close with. Oh, wow, yeah. And, and, and Steve was with West, um, West Point, someone said, right? He went to West Point and stuff and coached. Maybe. Bill. Navy, 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 Naval Navy. 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 Okay, Navy. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, okay. Uh, let's uh, go into LT. LT, probably the biggest character on that team, right? Would you agree? Lawrence Taylor. Well, he's certainly the biggest. I mean, he's the best best defensive player ever to play the game. Um, and, and, yeah, I mean, he's he's the last guy to win the NFL MVP on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, obviously, he, had, he was a character off the field and dealt with what he dealt with. I, I think one of the interesting things that I found that I, I, you know, was surprised because there's so many Lawrence Taylor stories verifying them sometimes is, is a bit tough because you want to be factually correct with things. And there's all up in Jersey and North Jersey, everybody's got an LT story. Right. But the fact that he, um, his relationship with, uh, uh, associates of the Genovese crime family, I thought was like, huh? Really? <laughs> and he would do appearances at birthday parties, you know, for these guys, uh, these mob associates for their kids. Oh my I mean, gosh. Lawrence Taylor do an appearance at a birthday party. I was shocked that it's a member of the, you know, Genovese crime family's son. That was even more shocking. So definitely learned a lot from uh, researching this, Jerry, and uh, putting all this different time in. But I'm New York fans, and I think fans in general remember this team, and to look back and to learn some of the stories that you've written. Because again, we're just t- we've only touched upon a couple that are in this book, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, ninety-five thousand words. I'm telling you, it's, it's detail rich. And my job is to be Google proof and Wikipedia proof. We know the outcome. Do you know when you pick up the book that they're going to win the Super Bowl? So my job is to to tell you the things you don't know about this team on their path to uh, creating modern giant football. You know, if you look at modern giant football today, it's traces are back to this team. Oh, definitely. And 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 again, talking about the owner, uh, the late William Tamara. I mean, you, you that that again, he was just a a different type of owner. And uh, I guess it's the kind of an interesting. And I'm sure you have stories about him in the book as well. Yeah, I mean, he goes in this period, keep in mind in the 70s, he was hung in effigy 
by the Giants fans. So he really transitions in this time period uh, to being the paternalistic figure of the NFL. And he was great to the players. I mean, there's stories in there. There was uh, a player who wanted to play a particular way and married and think he was healthy enough to play and literally paid him half his salary to not play football that year. They cut him and he said, I'm still going to pay you half your salary. Um, so, I mean, he was a very caring man and he was loyal. I mean, that, that once a giant, always a giant, that still lives there. Uh, and I don't know if you see, look, they have to make cuts and there are hard decisions, but it's still viewed as once a giant, always a giant, you know, in their headquarters. There's only a few, uh, NFL organizations that are run really well. And definitely the giants organization has been as we look at others, but it's interesting when you talk about the seventies, but they stay the course. And that's one thing that they don't do. They don't fire their coaches so quickly. They give them a chance to keep going till finally it, they just, it, it, it's time for them to go. Now, uh, best place we can purchase your book and learn more about you. Where can we go, Jerry? You can follow me on Twitter at J-B-A-R-C-A, at J-Barca. Uh, go online and buy the book. You can get it on Amazon real easy, Big Blue Wrecking Crew, and you can get it in Barnes & Noble in stores, uh, really anywhere online, too, if you prefer to go to an independent bookseller online or uh, Barnes & Noble or even Walmart or Target, you can get it there, too. All right, well, Jerry, thanks for calling. And, uh, again, this book, definitely people need to check it out. And there's so many different stories. And uh, I'm sure you had a lot of fun writing it, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. All right, take care, Jerry. See you. Okay, bye-bye. You're listening to Author's Corner, and we'll be back in just a moment. Jack and Colton, are you guys on? Yes, we are. Good morning. Okay, so I'm excited to welcome the program Jack Stewart and Colton Smith, of the Emmy award-winning travel series, Rock the Park. Jack Colton, thanks for calling. And guys, it's big, it's big, big days coming up for the National Park Service, isn't it, Jack? It is a big day today. It is 100 years of the National Park Service, uh, 100 years of America's best idea in these national parks. It's quite a, a, an amazing day. Absolutely, and Colton, it's a special time for everyone because of the, the of why they're celebrating the national parks, right? The cent the centennial. Oh, totally. I mean, this is a hundred years. Think, think about how many establishments we get amped up for when they turn a hundred. You, you know, this is right. this is a pretty big deal because it, it really shows how many people love these places, and in honor of that, for the remainder of this week, you can get into any national park. For free. I mean, it's it's truly a tremendous deal. You're not going to regret it. Absolutely. And and Jack, there are lots of national parks around the country, aren't there? Oh gosh, yeah. There's there's so many national parks. I think now we're officially up to 413. And so, if you're like us, you're, you've made it your life's mission to visit them all. You've got a life's mission ahead of you. It, it's going to take you a while, and that's the beauty of it. It's uh, one of those things that you can really just keep going and going, and there's more and more of them every day. It seems. Colton, how many, so you so you you guys have visited every one of them? You think? Oh, not even close. I mean, we've been we've been on the road filming Rock the Park now, going on season three and i would say that we're probably uh what would you say jay i would say we're like maybe in the 50 range and there's 413 so we have hundreds and hundreds to go still but uh that's what makes it great is not only are there so many of them they're all so different they're accessible and the list of things to do just goes on and on. We literally, I can't tell you how many times at the end of one of our episodes, I feel like I'm saying, you know, that was truly a unique and first experience for me. And I say it just about every time because it really is. Now, Jack, uh, looking at, you know, the, the visiting and all that stuff, what, what about for the Pittsburgh area? What's the closest national park? I'm at I'm a former teacher, and I don't know the answer to that. What's the closest national park for the flagship station in Pittsburgh? Oh, my gosh. I'm, I feel like I'm, this is like a pop quiz. I, to be completely honest with you, I don't know. I mean, you could get out to uh, 
the Cuyahoga Valley in Ohio. I mean, but you guys have the Alleghenies out there, which is not a national park, maybe, but some awesome, uh, some awesome mountains. There's, there's got to be plenty around you guys. I just have to admit, um, living out far out west, I couldn't tell you exactly what you guys have near you in, in Pittsburgh, but it, there's something. I know that. <laughs> Colton, is it West Virginia, you think, that's the closest national park? I'm throwing it, giving you guys a hint, maybe, possibly, or is it more northeast, other places? I'm just interested in knowing that, especially when you say there's so many parks. Well, I, I can tell you, you got Acadia, which is pretty close by up in Maine. And Acadia is an incredible place. The West Virginia, you know, you're, you're kind of pinpointing the, the few spots that we have yet to explore. I know West Virginia has got some amazing rivers. Um, you know, you've got great, you've got great historic national monuments down in Philadelphia. There's a lot out there, but I, I you know, maybe I, I get a C on the pop quiz, uh, but I know I'm sorry, guys. I put you on tons out radio. by you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to learn from you, ex- the experts. But you, can, Jack, that just says there's so much more for you to explore, isn't there? <laughs> there is. It's. I mean, first of all, one of our trademarks that we live by is we are not experts. We uh, <laughs> we are we are students of life every single day. But uh, yeah, there's there's so many of them. If you just look at a map, you're gonna find some amazing places to get out and explore. And also, hey, by the way, our field producer is from Pittsburgh, and uh, he cannot say enough good things about Pittsburgh. <laughs> Okay, so you're going to have to ask him the question then after we get off the air. Colton, uh, for your show, tell us about the show a bit for people, especially Rock the Park. I know if it's not available in their area, Hulu carries it for sure. But, Colton, tell us a little bit about your TV show. Yeah, season one is available on Netflix, and then season two right now is available on Hulu. And we're in the process of shooting season three. And really, our show is – it's just a fun, positive, family-friendly show that shows you how easy it is to, to find really whatever it is you're looking for in the national parks. I mean, whether that's personal growth or becoming closer to nature or just kind of stepping away from it all for a bit. You know, we, we try to go out there and show people that here are the things that anybody can do that you can take with your your small family and you can go and have a great experience. And then we try to find something that maybe you didn't quite know the national parks had. And that ends up in some amazing slash sometimes scary, intense adventures. Uh, And it's just a constant, constant kind of whirlwind of, of just fun. And that definitely sounds like it. Jack, and you're exploring all the, the amazing parks, and people check it out, and, uh, and and it's available locally in your in your areas, right? It's on an ABC affiliates too, right, Jack? For some cities, right? But yeah, it should be available on ABC in uh, basically every market across the country. We are on Saturdays everywhere around the country, and if you happen to miss it, we do. Air, we're on Hulu, and our first season is on Netflix. So. Basically, it's it's available everywhere in this country, which is super, super cool. Well, that's fantastic, guys. Where's the best place we can follow both of you, Jack, uh, social media-wise and website? for uh, First, follow Jack and then Colton. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if you want, go to thoseparkguys.com, or you can look up Rock the Park on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and you will find uh, our personal handles for twitter and instagram and all that good stuff but yeah if you search for rock the park you're going to find our social media and uh, it's a great way to learn about us learn about the show and more importantly learn about these national parks absolutely colton and check out you guys can check out all your different social media creds uh great can continued success on your emmy award-winning travel series and uh and continue to enjoy all the trips to the national parks, but I'm giving a call to action. Everyone this weekend, if you're near a national park, you have to visit this weekend starting today. Make it a, make it an early trip. Miss Friday, take off work Friday, take the family out 
and visit the national parks. Uh, Jack, Colton, thanks for calling, and take care. Thanks so much. Thank you. Take care. All right, bye-bye. You're listening to the Total Celebrity Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Total Celebrity Show. You can check me out on Twitter, at Total Tutor, Neil S. Haley, Facebook, LinkedIn, Neil Haley, Instagram, Total Tutor, Pinterest, Neil Haley, Google+, and also on Periscope, at Total Tutor. And I'm excited to welcome the program. We know her mostly from the days of General Hospital, Kathleen Gotti. Kathleen, thanks for calling, and uh, how are you today? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely, Kathleen. Now, for the time that we have in this interview, the experience, how did this experience start with General Hospital? Tell us that story. I had an audition. Well, I met Mark Teschner, the casting director, I guess 18 years ago now, and kept in touch over the years. And I just said, oh, I'm doing this film, doing this show. I speak these languages, do these accents, and I guess over the years. Anyway, and I went to, they called me in f- and uh, for two-day role. And it was the Swiss-German Dr. Obrecht, who was, it was very malevolent. I mean, it was, you know, it wasn't much of the role, just kind of moving. I think uh, Finola was looking and, and uh, Dr. von Schremem and Tony Geary, <laughs> he was, he was looking for Finola, for Anna Hughes, or Anna Devane, I'm sorry, and also for Robin. They were looking for Robin, I believe. And I was hiding her. And it was just one room to the next, and it was a two-day scene. And when we were done, I went home, because that's what you do. You do your job, and you leave. And three months later, I got a call, and he said, we really like you, and we've written more for you, and we've given you a daughter, Kelly Thibault, who oh played Britta. So that was lovely and I came back and basically since four years I've done those two days turned into like over 200 episodes and wow. really from and meeting and I said to Mark Teshner I said how come you know I met you so many years ago I've never see, I haven't seen you he goes I said how come you didn't bring me in before he goes well I was saving you for something special <laughs> so, <laughs> like, okay but you know better later than ever it was great and and everyone's it's a super you know fun job and really nice people so I can't really no, no complaints. It's, you know, it's been a very fun ride thus far, and who knows how much yeah. longer I'll be on the show, or you know. But it's it's been a lot of fun. Hope hope to be there for a long time to come. Yeah, you see, and it's interesting, Kathleen, when you talk about that the the opportunities of working actors for so many things. Your resume is uh, done many different things in film and television, and yet you go in for a two day role. And that ends up becoming something you've done for this many years. So isn't that interesting how this business works? You work, 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 and then that opportunity opens up, especially something that's reoccurring, that continues, not just, okay, I did a movie and I had a pretty good starring role, but then now let's go out and get some more work. You found something right. that's a home for you. You never, you know what, I, a lot of young people ask me, and I've coached over the years, and it's like, can you guide me? Can you tell me what to do with my career, and how can I be famous? And I'm like, I don't know. You know, can you teach me how to be famous in an hour? I'm like, I definitely don't know how to do that in an hour, <laughs> and I don't know how to be famous. I know how to be a working actor, and it's a lot of hard work. And I spent, I would say, a good 10 years studying in New York and doing tons of theater and studying in school and getting the live experience. And I always tell the kids, I said, you work in theater. It's not just, you don't just learn from good theater. You learn from bad theater. You learn from good actors with bad actors, good directors, bad directors. It's all information you put in your noodle and and use at some point. And, you know, how to work with an audience who's impatient while you pick up the pace or, you know, you, you draw them in. It's a very interesting experience working in live theater. And a lot of actors don't have that training. So you put in your time, and a lot of people don't want to put in their time. They want to come to Hollywood and be gorgeous and get a job. And I don't know how how that works. That's not my avenue of expertise. And I think it helps so many. You never know. Yeah, because you have such a resume. You had to audition for all those. Not everyone gets those positions, even if they're smaller roles. And casting directors and and producers and all of them, they watch and say, oh, wow, she's always keeps come on coming in and she's the right part for the right thing. But there'll be some special part someday, as you said. And this is what I guess everyone has to do is stay the course, keep working, understand yeah. that yeah. it doesn't happen overnight. And some people it doesn't happen until they're like 
75 and get the best role of their lives that changes their life. So you just have to keep going. You know, it's, it's interesting because I've been doing this for a long time and I've had highs and lows and, and I worked in Europe and had a huge career there. And here I'm, I'm a, I'm a working actor and I have some recognition right. and, you know, there's some, some fame, whatever you call that, but basically I'm a working actor. And I read this article on, on some website for actors and they said, when is it too late to stop? Or when is it too late to start? And it was great because all these people wrote, well, I'm 58. I just started my acting career. Well, I'm 70 and I thought I'd get into acting. You know, I've been doing this a long time and it's a kind of, it's an endless career. You can keep going as long as your mind and body are somewhat working and healthy. God willing, you just keep going. I mean, there's no time limit because there are roles and that's for all ages. And that's great because we represent everybody who, who lives. Whether you're a kid or you're a teenager, you're an ingenue or you're 40s or you're heavy or small. And, and the industry has changed now. Older women still have a voice. Older, you know, people in their 80s, they have a voice. And I love that. Instead of people, you know, well, if you're not 20, you were not interested. It's not true anymore. All ages, all think, sizes, shapes, colors, nationalities. I think what it's showing us is that, as you said, that, you know, this business is like anything else in a career. Some, some people are overnight successes, but lots of people aren't. However, there could be somebody that worked so many years, then finally was recognized, and then achieved the highest level, which maybe is an Academy Award or an, you know, an, an Emmy or one of the major awards. So staying that course is the most important thing. And from working with so many talented people, I mean, like I said, I look at some of the shows you were in and different people that you've worked with, and it might be in the smallest role, but you're there learning from those people. You're there talking to those people. You're, 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 you're like a sponge understanding that you want to learn this craft. And working actors, everyone I spoke to that's a working actor, it constantly works. They might be more knowledgeable right. than the overnight success, Correct. Absolutely. Well, the overnight success means they, uh, for example, on, on General Hospital, on, on some of these soaps, these actors, they're five years old and they started working. So they learned, you know, what do you know when you're five? And they kind of learn day by day. Or, you know, I think it was, I was speaking to Laura Wright, who plays Carly. And she said, I think she was 19 and she was discovered. She said, I didn't know anything about soap or I didn't know anything about acting. So she had to learn slowly and slowly. But most of the time, they hire people that are trained you have, you know, some experience, you've got credits, you've done some, you've done your short films, your videos, your whatever, extra work, anything just to get experience being on a set, working with actors. And then, you know, you go on and then studying whatever you, whatever your background is. But I always say you do learn from everything. And also the other thing is, I was, you have to, it doesn't matter if it's a small role or big role, you bring 2000%. You don't bring, well, yes. it's a small role, I'll, I'll give it 20%. We just, saw, we just saw a film. My husband and I just watched the film. It was a very good film. Um, Hell or High Water. Okay. It's a new film with Chris Pine and Jeff Bridges. Amazing okay. acting. And they had a couple actors in there who were kind of weak. They did some local hire wherever they shot. And it, it cheapens the value of the film because they're not as strong, even though it's a small role. It just cheap. It just made you believe that you're not watching a real film. It's like, oh, there's some actor trying to get this part right. It's like, wow, that's a great, great actors, and they, you know, they're trying to save yeah. money. It's like, no, get your, you know, get the professional actors, pay that little extra money, ship them to, you know, ship them to location, pay that extra money. But yeah, I mean, I saw story. that in the, new, the latest Jason Bourne movie, and I've been talking this to a lot of my uh, my producers and things. I said a lot of these shows now because of how pilot seasons changed and it's not there, there's no real schedules are getting a lot of unknowns to play with top people on a top billing. Mm -hmm. And it's either saving money and you could just tell who, where have they ever been before? Are they really pulling that role off with such unbelievable talent? Bring people that are working actors in yet. It's going to cost them more. Right. Can they pull them off right. of a set like general hospital, like yourself, uh, so I guess that's where it's opening up for other people. But I've seen that in movies lately that there's maybe two top billers and the rest are pretty right. much working, working. I mean, just actors that, that you maybe 
hit the made the right role, but you can tell as a professional how well they're doing then it sounds like. As long as they're good, it doesn't matter, you know, if they're known or not known, as long as they're strong actors or if they're on, you know, they local hire, it doesn't matter as long as they're really good. It's when they don't look for the best, you know, they go on location and then they just hire somebody locally who can, who can do something, but it's not exactly right. But they're like, ah, we'll save $10,000. We'll give it to the star. Like, okay. You know, for uh, whatever it costs, airfare, hotel, you know, the transportation, hotel, and then whatever they save them. So, but again, that's, that's the industry's changing a lot. There's a lot of runway production. California is just too expensive to shoot here. So a lot of productions are going to New Mexico, Louisiana, and Georgia. Right. And they're taking the work away from us who are working actors. And that's hard. Right. That is hard because, you know, when, when you're 20, you can fly somewhere and live out of a suitcase and say, I live here. I, you know, but when you're older and you, you have a career and you recur on other shows, you can't just, like, flip around the world looking for work. And that's not who I am anymore. That's not where I'm at in my world, in my life or my career. <laughs> well, like, you know. So, again, since playing and getting this job at, at General Hospital, you've had some pretty interesting things come up. I was looking at you had a recurring role in Being Mary Jane and then also right. uh, the web series Fear the Walking Dead Flight 462. So being Mary Jane. Right, it was a series uh, regular on that. We did, yes. Oh, cool. And what did you think of that experience with that crew? Oh, and stuff? That was amazing. I worked with six amazing actors. There were seven of us. We worked 18-hour days. We were killing ourselves. And we were, I don't think, and have ever been happier working. It was such an exciting project. Just great material, great actors, and so much fun. And it was really a fun project. I don't know if you've seen it, but anyway, we did 16 episodes, and we just had a blast doing it. And the Writers won a, um, a Writers Guild Award, and the show has been nominated for two Emmy nominations. One is for one of the actresses who went on to Fear the Walking Dead, Michelle Ang, and our show's been nominated for an Emmy. So we are so excited, and we're going to the Emmys, which is just Oh, story. so so you're on you're on, so you're on being Mary Jane still then because I don't have all that information. You still I, I've are just you been talking really? to you. I'm sorry, I've just been talking to you about Fear the Walking Dead. We're on the same page. Oh, oh, okay, I, I lost I it. I, I, fear the, you asked me about Fear the Walking Dead, and I said Fear the Walking Dead. We shot. There were seven of us. The show's been nominated for an Emmy, and one of the actresses has been nominated for an Emmy. We shot. We did 16 episodes, and we had a great time. Now we can talk oh, about being I'm Mary sorry. Jane. That's still an ongoing show. And yes, I'm still recurring on the show. Okay, I was confused about those two things. I'm sorry about that. And I, I brought up two different things, and I was going to just kind of summarize to that point. But oh, wow, so that's fantastic. So a lot of things going yeah. really well for you in your career. Well, this, I've been working for 30 years. It's a great, it's a lot of hard work and an exciting career. And, you know, there are, there are web ebbs and flows and sometimes you know this this has been a pretty exciting the last couple of years have been very very intense and very exciting but the fear of the walking dead flight 462 is just phenomenal um like i said we were nominated for an emmy i'm going to the, the primetime emmys i was nominated for a daytime emmy with a, a web series i did called caruso created and wrote and it's a wonderful series that was and that was i was nominated for a daytime emmy for that so this year has been great for emmy season all the emmys were covering all all Emmys. And um, I also did a film as Michelle Hoisman's mother. And I'm, I don't know if you know who he is, but he, he played the lead in Age of Adeline. And he's also on Game of Thrones. And I played his mother in a film and hopefully that should be coming out soon. And Janusz Kaminski directed that, who was the Oscar winning cinematographer for Spielberg. Wow. So you're staying busy. So, and, that hel- and, and, and that's good. That's a good thing for sure. And, and such but you said you worked very hard to get to where you are and getting that platform like general hospitals real, and that, that role taking off has helped a lot of opportunities because it's what you've done now is, as I've talked to so many actors and actresses before is the next thing, right? That when you, you audition, well, what have you done lately for me is the most important part of it. And being nominated, that just keeps people saying, Hey, let's call her. Let's consider her. Right. Right. That's right. It's like cool. you just keep out there and keep your face out there and working, and hopefully they go, ah, let's bring her in. So plus you have, you know, your yeah. agents and your managers working, looking for stuff. 
you're looking for stuff, you're putting yourself out there. It's, it's a, it's 24 hours a day job. It doesn't, you know, not much rest here. What That's is the nature your of our business? Through? What do you play in the fear of the walking dead? Flight 462. What's your character? I play the flight attendant. We're on a plane. You haven't seen it. We're on a plane and it's a plane going to hell. Basically there's a, there's a lot of things are going on. This is a pre pre story prequel to fear the walking dead and how, how the people, you know, get onto the, the boat and what happens. I don't know if you, if you watched any of these series, but it's part of the whole, you know, The Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead. It's a huge, right. huge empire, if you will. And this yes. is, we have, like, I think 20 million viewers. And, and what is, we shot a, a series. At first, you can see it on your phone. Then you can watch it on, on the amc.com web, uh, internet website. And then it played every Sunday on, AM, on the AMC channel. So it's, a, it's interesting how the media, how it's changing. You know how you get your how you get your information right. and stuff. It's pretty cool. It's cool to be part of that. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.